An industry under pressure. Innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. But I'm a little bit disappointed because this used to work. But now it's not working anymore. See, it used to be when you turn this knob, the little claw uh, would grab stuff. Yeah, but it's not. Oh, I forgot to give Ryan a hat. You can have a hat. Oh, a hat thank hat. you. <laughs> would you like You're to? You're something. Would there. you like to have a hat hat? <laughs> There are many to choose from. Um, so we're rolling now, so we're just going to go right into it. Um, and uh, for those of you following along at home, uh, this is actually, this is my second, I'm, I'm do- I got a double header today. Okay. So I had Ryan sitting in here um, before you, and uh, I'm sorry that I didn't, I should have told you that he was going to be here so that you could come early and meet yeah, him. I mean, I thought that was the perks of being friends with you, <laughs> to be friends with your friends. Right. <laughs> I, I thought the same thing about you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, uh, welcome to the, to the uh, Oil & Gas Tech show. And uh, we're going we're gonna, to, like to, I just like to welcome everybody initially on the camera. Yeah. But most people are still, good, are still listening to this, For sure. uh, you know. The old-fashioned way, um, with our ears, with <laughs> not listening with our eyes. Yeah, and uh, all right, here we go. Let's get. Um, but uh, Kayla, thanks for thanks for coming by. Deja vu. Yeah, it's uh, now. I you know I don't know how many of our of my of my tech show listeners were watching unscripted, but we had a lot of fun with unscripted. For sure, it's, it's parked right now for a little while because of. Um, Various. Just the drinking got so out of hand. <laughs> the drinking got out of hand. I am, um, I am planning to move that bar cart over here, though. So the next time you come, and I'm sorry because it's everything is still kind of, yeah. we're still putting this together here. Drinking water during and this podcast? You're drinking water during this podcast. I, I and know. you expect good material co- out of me? We don't even have coffee. <laughs> um, we're, uh, this is, uh, we're kind of slumming it over here. Um, but, but this is the, uh, that studio and so for those of you uh who are who are listening and not seeing us you can uh there'll be there'll be a link to the youtube so it's still a podcast you know the audio you're listening on apple Podcasts, you're listening on spotify what have you but there will be a link presumably if we remember to put it in there'll be a link to the youtube channel where if you want to see kayla's um live somewhat smiling face (laughs) You smile it's a Friday. lot. Give me, you the, smile, give me a break. You, you smile much more now than you did when I first met you. Yeah. Wait, those way were hard. More. Those were hard times back way then. Way more. And, and, um, and you have better glasses now, I too. Do. So those, I never... I always wanted to tell you... I didn't know you as well back then, but I always wanted to tell you that your glasses were always crooked. 
They were you, always tilted. You corrected them one time. Did I? Physically, you moved my glasses on my face. <laughs> like it would somehow, I don't know if like I have uneven ears or something. Well, that's what I was trying to figure out was, is this a is this an ear problem? or Maybe, I guess the glasses are just bigger or my ears have finally adjusted to their Maybe. right location. Well, all of that scowling <laughs> that you were doing probably had things a little a out of, of kilter, and now, now it's all it's all relaxed. It's a little less nerdy now, too. I think. Yeah. I feel like it. I'm getting cooler as I age. Way cooler. <laughs> me, I like to think of myself as one of those people that has not peaked also. yet. Yes. <laughs> you are. You are one of those people that's not peaked yet. All right. So, uh, what do we want to talk about today? Um, um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I wanted to tell you this story, but I wanted to wait until we were. Till we're rolling. Okay. To Be- get my natural get reaction. Get your reaction to this. And in fact, I-, I talked about this on, so, well, not the last episode. So when people hear this, uh, they will have already heard Ryan's episode, uh, which I d- did right before you got here. Um, and then, but then the one before that, uh, I was, I, I was flying solo because I had a guest cancellation and I needed something. So I came up with some interesting things. I think interesting things to talk about, and and I and I mentioned this um, that I had gone to the Petroleum Club and for an, a little event, and I made like I didn't make friends, um, and <laughs> and I actually asked. So uh, for those of you uh, faithful listeners, might remember that I asked for feedback on this, and I haven't gotten any yet. So you didn't get any. I didn't get any because Ooh. people listen to podcasts, Tough and crowd. no matter how much you ask them to like, like tell us what you think, they never do because I understand it. Because when you're listening, you're riding your bike or something, and yeah. you don't, you know, you're not, you're not sitting there with your fingers poised over the keyboard or listening to. Or did you tell them like podcast. for feedback, send it to oh, Michael at? Maybe I forgot to do that. No, no, of course I told him <laughs> that. So I was at, so I went to the petroleum club and. Um, this is, a, this is a technology story, kind okay. of. And uh, I was invited to this uh, little event with 20 people. It was supposed to be like a round table think tank type of, you know, okay. like we're all we're going to get together. And we're going to solve a hard problem. OK. Right. We all paid money to do that, by okay. the way. But that's <laughs> I was going to say, why do uh, I have this like weird feeling of jealousy that I was not invited <laughs> to solve said hard problem? <laughs> <laughs> Who are the other people? I need to know names. <laughs> I, you know, that was the funny thing is I didn't get any of their names. But, um, yeah, so it was about – so it was carbon. It was about carbon. Okay. Uh, it was called the Carbon Conclave or something like this, right, where we're going to talk about the the pro, like the challenges that companies are facing. It, it wasn't just oil and gas. It was energy uh, broadly. And, okay. and you had people there from, from – you had – Nobody from any like big oil companies. You had some some people from some small service companies and from tech, and you had some like consulting and and you had like some people who were from I don't know I think they were from companies that like do provide like advisory and consulting and technology stuff related to ESG and carbon. Yeah. Not 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 any carbon capture people. I think yeah. those people are too smart to spend time at the petroleum club. Too sciency. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and the whole idea was uh, we're talking about the you know what's what are the cha- what are the challenges that companies are facing what what are the main problems that CEOs right like as we move into this whole let's 
achieve these ESG goals, yeah. what's making it hard, and how do we provide companies with a framework to be successful? Are you with me so far? Yeah. Okay. So you said uh, the word framework. Framework. Don't trigger me Frame- that early on in the story. Framework. <laughs> so, um, so I, I made two basic statements in this whole this whole thing. The first one was early on. And I said something that I think you actually d- disagree with based on a comment that you said before. Because okay. what I said was, look, you know, we talk about this stuff on the, on the tech podcast all the time. And what I'm hearing, or at least what I'm just maybe feeling from people, is that the hard part in oil and gas, the hard, whether you're talking about upstream or refinery, well, I don't know, maybe refineries are a different story. The hard part isn't the actual decarbonization. Like we... We know how to do that. We've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Uh, we've been injecting CO2 back in the ground. And like how to decarbonize. What we're, we're coming up with new ways to reduce flaring, right? Technique yeah. FMC has this really cool I mean, uh, we're mostly engineers. Image. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the part that seems to be giving everybody fits and where all the time and money's being spent is on the, the data, um, the measurements, the getting all the right data together and satisfying those reporting requirements. Yeah. That seems to be hard. So, but you just, but, but I did so let's just pause argue on this. with you. Let's just, yeah. let's just pause on this part and okay. I'll get to the second part of the story. And you're saying it's really not hard. It's really not hard. Um, I think people confuse hard and tedious. You know, I mean, the I consider hard as you're not measuring anything anywhere. That's hard. That's a different way of doing things. That's capital investment. That's equipment. That's infrastructure. Yeah. We're measuring most of these things already. I mean, they're, they're contributing to the price that you're willing to pay for a commodity. Yeah. We're already tracking these parameters. So you think of density, water content vapor pressure. Oh, you're going to get specific. All of these things. I mean, hello. Yeah. Science. Um, There are valves. There's physical measurement already out in the field doing these things. It's just people don't know what the finish line is. And so are you being held to a standard by the SEC which is a different set of standards than the EPA, which is a different set of standards than what private companies are going to be held for. Okay. Um, And it really, you can't get a good plan in place and you can't really provide the information that people are asking for if you don't know who's asking. Okay. But the measurement is not hard. So I, I mean, I, uh, technically complex. Yes. Very sciencey. Yes. But people are doing it. People are doing it. And they have been doing it for a long time. So when you say, can I, can I effectively measure the emissions of a refinery? Absolutely. They have been for years. Hmm. This is not what I'm hearing other people say. What, what I'm hearing people say is, you know, sure. Try to measure the emissions of a refinery. It's impossible. That's why we're working on solutions like digital twins, like carbon twins. I had an episode on the show. Somebody talked about this once. It's been probably a year ago. Um, So the idea, like, measuring the actual emissions of the facility is too difficult. So we're going to create a digital twin with correlations that we can track 
so that we can say that if we see this happening, then we know that the emissions of the, if we see this happening in the digital twin, then uh, it was a simulation, then we know that, uh, you, you see what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So, I mean, digital twins are a great way to measure well, it. Yeah, if it's, it's Valdir, you guys do it. Yeah, if it's that, you know, substantial of a system and refinery, then absolutely do a digital twin. It's going to be way more cost-effective and safe than toying around with anything physically. But emissions is a pretty broad category. So are you talking about scope one, two, or three emissions? Are you talking about greenhouse gas or greenhouse gas protocol? We're not even drinking. It's Um, Friday, man. There's a lot of different standards and they all accept different physical measurements, different estimated measurements. Um, it's a real hodgepodge. Yeah. And this whole scope one, two, three, like, so scope one and two, I can, I can roll with scope three to me is a little hard. bit bullshitty. Like, I don't see where that's like, it, because scope three is every, is the emissions produced by everybody who consumes your product or uses your product somewhere else or anybody who has supplied anything to you to make your product. Yeah. Right. Isn't that what scope three is? Yes. And I, I mean, I kind of see scope three How are you supposed to solve for that? I see scope three as different in terms of it doesn't matter what the number is. It matters how you calculate it. It's never going to be 100% accurate. There just needs to be some level of transparency into how you got there. But... So you have to show your work is what you're talking about. Again, no one even knows, okay, of the 15 categories of Scope 3, how many are we actually going to be reporting? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's pretty broad. So Scope 1 is... um, is Direct emissions. You're right. Um, Scope 2 is... Transportation. Right. This is another thing that people don't... um, Didn't seem to be... At this event that I was at, it didn't seem to be well understood, was that when you talk about oil and gas production um like the the scope one emissions are not like it's the those aren't the big part right right it's in fact it's quite small yeah because most people have figured out that emissions is a measure of operational inefficiency yeah and so they're going out and they've fixed it already Turning the valves, they're tightening everything, because they're flaring guess, less yeah. because they're there's money motivates. Let's yeah, face it, right? They don't want to light their money on fire. Yeah, um, which is kind of funny about the whole natural gas thing because natural gas burns clean, but we still don't like it because because of how you get it out of the ground. But how you get it out of the ground isn't really what what causes the what adds much to the whole thing. Anyway, oh. um, all right. So I said this is what, at least this is what people are spending money on and. And et cetera, et cetera. I, my real point was like the actual decarbonizing isn't that isn't that difficult. Um, I think this is what I hear. Although I want to. So what you said about the they already figured out that you don't want to set your money on fire. Yeah. Because um, uh, that did come up in this in this conclave. Um, it came up, which was look, why not if you can create if you can do something to the business model that makes it like, like companies will do things if they can, if it, 
makes them more profitable if there's an opportunity yeah. to make more money. So, which isn't greed, it's just why they exist. It's, it's capitalism. Their, it's their purpose, right? So the more they can fulfill their purpose, yeah. so how can we, instead of like regulating it to death, how can we create um, like actual uh, business incentives? Anyway, that's a separate, but your thing about money I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, now, here's where I got in trouble. I could have sworn it would have been the first. No, no. Well, you know, they kind of, and, and there was a variety of people. Yeah. So it was really just this one group, It kind of at the other, it's, it's like 10 people on this side, we're having lunch, 10 people on this side, 10 people on that side, we're facing each other. And I'm at one end, and these guys are, these three or four guys are at the other end. Yeah. And so further into it, quite a bit further, an hour later, we're talking about, you know, putting a framework together and what everything needs to be in the framework and da da da. And I suggested that if you have if you're putting a framework together for companies and you're asking them to do all of this stuff which okay, difficult, it's hard or it's tedious or whatever, but you're asking you're asking companies to do a lot, yeah. right? It's expensive. Mm-hmm. Right? It's expensive. Um that uh, and I likened it to, uh, you know, when I was in my consulting days, um, we would do a project. Like, like I likened it to when you do, we did this, I saw this happen over and over again with clients, right? They put all this ROI study into whether we ought to do the project or not, right? And then that, this, an, an inordinate amount of time and money spent on the ROI study. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and that's presumably what caused the decision to do the project, but then hardly ever does anybody ever come back later to find out whether they're actually getting the ROI that justified the project in the first place. Yeah. Nobody ever does that. Some people do, but very few. Yeah. So I used that example and said, so with this, shouldn't the framework include something that measures whether we're having the desired outcome that we want, not just whether everybody's achieving their ESG goals, because achieving ESG goals isn't really an end game. It's a means to an end. The Mm -hmm. end game is the climate's getting warmer and we don't like it, so we want to change that. So shouldn't we have something over time, and I don't know how much time it requires, where we say, okay, are we having the desired effect? And if we're not, then maybe we need to change our playbook. And people were like, I don't understand what you mean. And so then I said, well, let me say it a different way. Isn't it a possibility that everybody could meet their ESG goals, their emission goals, and it still doesn't change the climate the way we want it to? Yeah. And that was when they ran me out of town on a rail. <laughs> Please tell me it got physical. <laughs> It didn't get, it got, it got physical. If you count body language as physical, then it was pretty darn physical. So what, hmm. so what did I step in there? It's a what, very individualistic what, crowd. So what I was, and, and so what they did was they started arguing with me about, about, I guess what they heard was the emissions aren't impacting the climate. Like I was trying to say the emissions weren't impacting the climate. And, and all I said was it's conceivable that, we can meet our goals and the climate doesn't change the way we want. Cause I don't know, maybe there's other bigger things that are impacting it and we're just a small, yeah. a small portion of it. So what, what, I mean, what, so you're in that world a lot more than I am. Like, what did I, what was my, what was the transgression there? You, you just probably went too big. 
I went too big. You know, I think humans in general have a really hard time grasping things that are not one foot in front of their face. Okay. And so talking about, you know, end results and, and achieving objectives that large is very, um, but the, scary. But if we weren't, but why would we even bother to do it otherwise? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the crowd was. I wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> but what would you have said if I, if I would have said it? Um, I mean, I'm watching projects get measured on ROI all over the place right now. People are very, very specific about their objectives and what they want to achieve so that they can bring the scope of work down to something meaningful that can be tracked. Because when you say, oh, we're going to reduce the climate warming by one degree Celsius, I mean, that's pretty big Yeah. when you think about it. It's not like typing it into your calculator and saying, all right, guys, we did it. We, hit the, we reduced it by a percent. So, um, so, how, so how will we know if we've done that? I mean, there's a lot of factors at play. Don't forget, you're talking to a geologist. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty big on, like, climate warming, climate cooling right. patterns. There might actually be heat coming from the center of the Earth radiating out. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to, like deny that humans are accelerating a lot of things and primarily first world countries are accelerating a lot of things and, and waste. Um, but there are really small, meaningful things and meaningful finish lines that can be tracked today yeah. that don't have to be tied to a climate pledge or a, you know. But what would be the point of it, though? The point of it is to make any impact at all. Right. Okay. So you're still, so that's still the end game. The end game is still to have yeah. an impact. Okay. So, so what are some examples of like, what are some small meaning? What, what are you seeing people do that? And, and ROI, right? Like ROI yep. for, for a company, I was just using that as an example. Like yep. I was speaking in the terms of the ROI being like the big ROI, which is we're slowing, we're, you know, we're making the climate not so hot, whatever yeah. it is. But what, what are you that's seeing? That's impact people, measurement. Impact measurement, yeah. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. In essence, yeah. But I mean, a lot of companies are wanting to prepare for a tax liability. Oh, a tax. Li I thought at first I thought you said a tax. Yeah, a a tax. So carbon tax gets priced Not into like the market. Attacked, but, yeah, but yeah. Tax. <laughs> yeah. T a x. Yeah. Um. But a lot of, I'm, I mean, I'm working on projects where people are trying to model their assets to look at different carbon tax regimes that could get priced into the U.S. And when is it going to cost them more to operate that asset than they will make off of the natural production uh, of yeah. it? Okay, so that's interesting. So how are they figuring that out? Uh, a lot of science. Yeah. So... Really Trust what I science, see, yes. And, you know, it's interesting because I think when we originally started talking about this, this was right when all of the new tech was coming out. You had all the methane sniffers. Right. You had all the lasers, sharks with lasers. Yeah. Shark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like you see yeah. a press release every day. You're like, what am I reading? What's happening? Yeah. They're going to laser this stuff. Right. Um, 
and trained dolphins, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're watching the evolution of the industry where we're coming out of, um, phase zero. So phase zero with any change or hype that comes into a market, there's always a phase zero and it's all PR. It's all for the marketing game, baby. Yeah, it's like, sure. Get our sure. logo out there. Right. Say we're net zero. Give a date. Make sure that date is after I after retire. After I <laughs> retire. <laughs> um, and then you go into phase one where there's early adopters. They're adopting tech. They're trying. Right. Some are getting burned. They're not recognizing an ROI. Some how, are so recognizing. How do you know what the so? Okay. Um, and I'm not asking this rhetorically. Yeah. This this is a this is an area that I don't really understand. Yeah. Um, what is what type of ROI are you recognizing in that case? So, let's take certified natural gas. By the for way, instance. I forgot to reset the timer. How long have we been talking so far? You think? I have no idea. I'm gonna say ten minutes. <laughs> I feel like I've been here for two hours. I don't know when we started <laughs> recording. <laughs> okay. See, this is what happens when. When the when the tech crew's not here, I know running. I think uh, running your own podcast. It's a little bit. Ah, there we go. Okay. I mean, at least so, we're in a studio. We used to sit at bars. We can still sit at bars. That's <laughs> not. That's still on the table. That's fun. Okay. So what um, kind of what kind of ROI? Yeah. So there's different initiatives. Most people went for the sustainability report first. Some went for certified natural gas which basically means that you have some type of third party or validation that your natural gas is lower methane, lower emissions than anyone else's in the market. What does that give? So when I think about return on investment, I think about return. Yeah. So So, apart from getting a gold star, what does that get you? So you get the rating, but ultimately those volumes list on a registry. And the whole concept behind certified natural gas was there were going to be European and international buyers that would be willing to pay a premium because they're getting subsidies from their national government into the utilities districts to not push the cost onto the consumers, but that they were willing to pay a premium uh, for cleaner fuel, cleaner energy cleaner consumption. Energy. Okay. But then Russia had to go ruin it for everyone and invade the Ukraine. Now no one cares where their gas comes from as long as it's not Russia. So I still think those markets are gonna happen. You're just watching them get pushed to the right. I still think there will be long-term premium deals for gas that has been you know, produced through a more rigorous standard mm. of emissions control. Yeah. So we're just so we're just running wild a little bit right now because we got bigger fish to fry. Well, people are trying to figure out where the equilibrium is, right? Because uh. in order to certify some of these gas volumes, you need continuous monitoring. Okay, well, there's about 12 different technologies in continuous monitoring that you can deploy. They all have different scientific uses, they all have different granularities, and they all have different costs, very different cost structures to them. So if you're going to a producer and saying, okay, we're going to increase your LOE by $5, that's probably not going to fly. 
they're trying to do it in the most cost-effective way possible. So yeah. how many sensors is enough? Do I need 10 sensors? Do I need two sensors? Because that yeah. could be the difference between, right. you know, $200,000 and 20 grand. Yeah, and these aren't, these aren't, um, well, I don't know. How much of this is like a one-time cost and how much of it is, right? Most of it's not a one-time cost. I yeah. mean, if you're talking about equipment replacement, so replacing a pneumatic pump, yeah, that's a one-time cost. Um, replacing valves, that's a one-time cost. So any of the physical infrastructure. Right. But if you're doing a project where the ROI is tied to continuous monitoring, it has to be continuous yeah, for a reason. Yeah, it has to be continuous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But, but, so, but you think that we're, okay, so we have like a, a little bit of a abandonment of some of the goals because we're kind of having this major situation mm -hmm. happening. Yeah. Uh, you know, and people are now, I mean, I, I, uh, I read a statement by uh, the, it was energy ministry or somebody from the Congo mm -hmm. because they're, they're, they're leasing now yeah. to operators. And the statement was, and this sounds to some ears, this sounds offensive, but I think I understand what he means. He said, our priority is not saving the planet. Yeah. Um, and he didn't say our priority is not ever going to be saving the planet. He just meant like right now, we have more pressing issues. And I know to some people it sounds like, how could there possibly be more pressing issues? Yeah, because they live in a first world country. <laughs> exactly. So, And their um, refrigerator requires more energy yeah. than some small towns. Yeah. I have four of those. <laughs> you would. Well, well, two, two are freezers. It's yeah. Two two. Two upright freezers and two yeah. refrigerators. But they all have that sticker on them that says they're very, yeah. very, yeah. And we reap the benefits of affordable and reliable energy. Yes, yes, yes. So um, so right now, there's a little bit of a, like, okay, well, we got to. Yeah, we got like, a supply and a demand problem. And, yeah. <laughs> Don't we now? <laughs> and um, a little bit self-inflicted. And... Uh, um, well, also the ES, and I, I, I'm seeing evidence of this. I think um, the ESG investments are a little bit. I'm not gonna say they're falling out of favor, but they're yeah. not quite as sexy as they were. Yeah. At least that's what I read in the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. So. Um, ESG is kind of turning into this term, a yeah. negative connotation of like it's here for policing. And yeah. punishment. Right. Not its original intention. Yeah. Isn't it policing and punishment? I thought it was policing and punishment. Isn't it not? <laughs> so. Um, Depends on what side you're on, I guess. <laughs> so, so, so we have that happening. We also have what you said was um, uh, a little bit of trying to find the equilibrium. Like, okay, how do we do this, but how do we do it in a cost-effective manner? Because yeah. if we go out of business in the process, then that doesn't help anyone, yeah. right? Um, although I know there's a lot of people that would like to see that happen. Um, so what are, uh, so it's gonna, so, so you said something's gonna come back. What was it, it we're, gonna, we're gonna see the return of? I mean, you're going to find a playbook. People are going to find the right equilibrium of spend, 
yeah, okay. to benefits rewarded to them based on reducing emissions. And those benefits come in the way of? Cash. From who? It could be premiums. It will most likely be penalties. Yeah. So. That's not so. See, it is policing. It sounds less yeah. glamorous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so they're trying to find the equilibrium. Technology plays a big factor, mm-hmm. obviously. Technology is immature. Is it? But getting how, better. How can it be immature? You said we've been doing, we've been measuring for a long time. I mean, the physical measurement that of what has historically defined the value of a barrel has been in place for right. a long time. Sure. The physical measurement that you can get has been in place for a long time. All of the new types of measurement that are required for proving or reducing are still pretty young technologies. Like, I don't, I never get access to three years worth of historical uh, methane sniffer data. Because that wasn't happening. Because there wasn't three years. We didn't have the methane sniffers, right? Yeah. Okay, so, right. So it's hard to like iterate and fine tune and get the models better when you don't have historical information. So the application of the technology hasn't been there for long enough for you to write. So it's, yeah. yeah and yeah. don't forget, we're measuring these things out in the environment. So it's not as easy as, okay, I'm going to put a carbon monoxide detector in this room. Right. It's, hey, we're going to put a sensor out on location but every time it sets an alert, which could be every three hours because the wind direction might change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the flare stack is flaring. Maybe there was a truck out on location. Maybe yeah. it's snowing. Maybe it's nighttime. I mean, there's just so many different environmental factors that play into a lot of this technology. Sure. Right, right. So what What if, uh so what's the trajectory look like? What, um, as we get, so, so from where we are now, um, what, what does it look like over the next 12, 18 months, whatever? Yeah. How, how does all this start to come together and be less problematic and more effective? Yeah. Um, so I would say 80% of the projects I'm working on right now are just getting a baseline. It's just doing the bottoms up inventory of all the equipment, all the runtime, everything that's happening out on location to at least get a picture of what's happening in the field. And then from there, you can clearly see where the gaps are and where you may need additional measurement or additional technology, or there may be problem areas that you can go fix. So at least you kind of solve the operational day-to-day. And from there, you can start to get way more predictive around so that's the objective is to be predict is to not just to prevent right right the situations yeah. right so you know we're working on models right now where you can see a compressor station you can see you know when you installed the equipment what the load factor is like is that compressor running at 90% of its capacity every day all day is it running at 70% in right. the summer 90% in the winter but you can start to see hey, these are the patterns of recognition. This compressor might need maintenance or some type of intervention mm-hmm. before you have a situation. So, so give me, the, what's an example of a situation? What's the kind of thing we're trying to prevent? 
So you could have to shut a compressor down and you have to vent a compressor before you start it back up. Oh, right. Venting sounds like, sounds bad. You don't want yeah, to vent. It's frowned upon. Yeah. People don't like that. But um, sometimes like based on how you operate this physical, physical you equipment. Start, you have to vent or it's going to explode yeah. or, right, or whatever. Uh, what else? Like what other kinds of things are we, are we trying to, are people trying to, so with the predictive aspect, we're trying to, so in this case, so the notion of predictive maintenance and stuff has been around for a while. Yeah. Um, usually it's, there's more of a, of a operational. Yeah. Right, safety. Do, safety dollars, right. Dollar loss. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, these facilities go down. It's very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we get the idea of like trying to prevent that something, but, but now we're saying we're trying to prevent things that have a particular environmental impact. Like, well, the environmental impact is now just as important as an operational loss or uh, downtime. Yeah. Right. So are there a lot of those things that have Oh yeah. environmental, I mean, because oh, yeah. because anything could have a- anything that breaks For could sure. have an operational impact. I can see that. Yeah. How 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 is there so many different things that break that have an environmental impact? I mean, like like sh- somebody like shoots a hole in a pipe and stuff starts leaking out or like yeah. Or, I mean yeah. so, and I won't say my dad's company name. Okay. <laughs> they could have been some of the people in the room with you, Michael. Ah. Who knows. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, so TCEQ comes out and they do their environmental assessments. Yeah. And came out to one of their locations with one of the cameras and said, okay, we've looked at every, you know, piece of equipment, line, tank out here. You've got 37 leaks. Now, the leaks are small. And it was as simple as, you know, the field hand had to take a, a wrench and tighten the valves. Mm. So it's just things like that where it's like you, the human eye can't see it. So it's sure. not like people are just walking past these methane leaks going, do, do, do. I got other things to do. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but, uh, but I'm getting back to like the preventative thing, right? Like, like you're like, so we we're using technology and the analytics to predict yeah. when things are going to happen. I mean, they should have, they should have been able to see with monitoring. Sure. Like who knows how long those 37 leaks. Right. Yeah. Had been happening. Yeah. 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 Maybe. Yeah. It could have been a while. Could have been a while. So, uh, I know I have the same problem with the, um, the hose bibs, the faucets on the outside of my yeah. house. Sometimes you got to tighten that compression nut I that's bet, right behind. I bet the you're that guy thing. too that like. And it leaks, and you got to get a wrench and tighten it. Yeah. yeah, I I bet you leave the shower dripping too. What? How'd yeah. you get there? <laughs> I can just see. <laughs> it. I just told you I fixed the leak on the. I can just see. It. <laughs> <laughs> leave Someone comes in after and they're like, "Oh, Michael was in here last. No, it's I dripping." Don't. I don't. I do sometimes forget Never to wipe. Never turned all the way I, off. I do sometimes forget to wipe the water off the metal parts, though. Yeah. And that's frowned you know, upon. Well, if you, eventually you get the, you know, and we have really our our house. If you come Hard to our water. house, don't drink the water. It's really. <laughs> It's not good for it. It's really not good for you to drink the water. It is really hard. It's and I don't know what the deal is, but um, 
uh, it has a crazy amount of chlorine in it. Yeah. Like I, so this is way off the top of what it, we're at 14 minutes plus 10, I don't know, 25. Um, so, uh, so in our master bedroom, the shower, this is not the original builder shower. This is like, we had a shower, like there's a wall, right? Then you walk around the end and you go in the, and, and Sounds right nice. over, yeah, it's nice. It's <laughs> nice. And right over here, um, uh, there's a window. Yeah. Um, and so like when the weather's nice, you know, like those couple of weeks here in Houston when the weather's really nice, um, you know, you open the windows in your house, uh, yeah. until you realize that the allergy shit is pouring yeah. in and you can't write, um, um, but you like keep the blinds down, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I'm like, win- where is the story? The going, window Michael? does not face a, a public area. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about your you, shower, you and open the window, the window and you I'm say, like, "My God, where does this man live?" Hey, everybody. <laughs> um, no, so you open the window because the weather's nice. You know, you got that nice like uh, like seventy degree, and and here's what happens. I I, I swear this is true. Um, in the shower. The, the breeze comes in the window and the mixture of the outdoor air with the water gives me this like sudden like uh, sensation of swimming pool because yeah. there's so much chlorine in the water. You know how like your, yeah. your brain like with different smells and things like that, right? Like yeah. all of a sudden I get this swimming pool sensation. Yeah. And there's, why does there need to be that much chlorine in my water? I don't know, man, but when I go to a pool, like a public pool and I smell chlorine, I instantly feel better about the situation. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I have heard that if you can smell the chlorine, it means there's not enough. And I don't know how that oh, works. Oh, man. But that's what I've heard. That would know. explain a lot. But I've heard a lot of things the last couple of years that turned out to not be true. Yeah. So, all right. Um, so what's... Uh, all right. You mentioned that the technology is... Um, so we're serious about it now. Yeah. Originally, it was all PR. Now we're getting in there. We're actually tackling some little things that have some yeah. ROI associated and with and them. And they're making an environmental impact at the same time. Are they? How do they know that? Because they're not, they don't have leaks anymore. Yeah, but that's not proof of an impact. How is it not proof of an impact? You're telling me that people going out and tightening valves and keeping their I don't know. Beef hatches closed on their I tanks. Is it an thing. environmental impact? <laughs> I have to think about this. I have to think about whether I have to come up with a good example for that. For okay. Why, or a good analogy. Think for, about it. Like, if okay. Um, so that, all right, we'll just take that as a given. They're having an impact. Okay. And there's like less crap in the air, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll go with that. I'll I'll accept that. Yeah. Where I was trying to get to with these guys at the at the petroleum club was was saying, but the end game is the climate. So if we're not having the desired impact on that, then maybe we need to change our playbook or maybe at a minimum, we just need to make, we just need to let people stop doing things that are really like, if you're making people do a bunch of stuff that's hard and costs money and you're not winning with it, then why, why continue to burden them with that? If you're not having impact, that was the part that, well, and I think it's, you know, it's it's just way more broad than just oil and gas when you're talking about the global climate. You know, I think oil and gas companies do care about the climate. Oh, for sure. But they also are far more educated on energy, energy policy, energy yeah. resiliency in the supply chain than most of the average humans are. Right. And 
they're honestly trying to find the equilibrium of where can we better the quality of human life with affordable and reliable energy versus we're killing the planet. Yes. So, and there's been some books written on this. For sure. um, About looking at it as like a kind of taking a cost benefit analysis approach and saying you have to net out the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Then there's some other people who say that's, and everyone should be held accountable. It's not just oil and gas. Yeah. Like how, how many emissions do you think a Microsoft data center creates by running? Seven or eight. This is this least. is the whole thing. This is why everyone in the industry gets so riled up when you, you know, see these news articles and it's posting Exxon Mobil had the seventh highest, you know, profits yeah, and yeah. well it's like, well, Apple's at the top. Right. Okay, well how much carbon tax is Apple paying? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to benchmark those against each other? Yeah. <laughs> How about the emissions to produce all those batteries for the phones? Yeah. Um, How about the social and governance of the mining industry? Well, that's a whole other thing is we say <laughs> ESG, but we mostly mean E. Right? It's super broad. Yeah, it's a we, huge umbrella. Well, but hardly anybody, hardly ever does anybody talk about the S and the G. No. We say ESG, but mostly we talk about the E. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So what technologies are, or what technological approaches do you think are showing the most promise to be able to mature mature rapidly and be able to help people with this alleged ROI that they're going to get? It's um, a good question. I mean, I, but I'm also not an equipment maker, you know? Mm. And so I think I look at most of the technologies and I can see a use case in a particular instance where they would be the one that I choose, but I would not choose a single one of them for all of the problems and all of the things that mm. need to be solved. They all do very different, almost bespoke type things yeah. based on what they were designed to do. Wow, that sounds like a mess. It is a mess. It's a huge mess. Yeah. Like most of the stuff like example. as part of baselining is reconciling the data. So let's say you have a sales meter of how much gas is hitting the lease line. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you know how much gas you're selling that month. You have sniffers out on location that are giving you a total methane number. You're interpolating methane intensity mm-hmm. across all of the equipment behind that sales meter. Here's what the FLIR stack had. Here's what the combustion engine had. Here's what the pumps had. Here's what the mm-hmm. tank had. And it's um, only complicated by the fact that you now have planes flying over, taking dig- digital imagery. You have satellites taking digital imagery. None of those things are going to be the granularity as what a particular meter on location is sure. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so how do you take five different versions of the truth now and who's, figure out who's, the one who's number? Who's in charge of the planes and the satellites? Most of the producers are paying these third parties like Bridger Photonics and okay. Kairos Aerospace, so just like, things like that, just like for flyovers. Back in olden times when we used to yeah. do exploration, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, you had your seismic, you had your grav mag, you had your all the, and they try to like correlate all of that to yep. get the best answer. That's the right? same thing. Yeah. Okay. So they're doing that. Wouldn't it be easier to just go with the one, like the meter on the, like, like what would, what would happen if you, like, what's the motivation? Like with the seismic and, and well, with the whole, well, it was just seismic. It was the gravity and the magnetic and the, what was the other stuff they used to do? The planes would do the, the LIDAR. The, well, no, this is before LIDAR. Oh. But but um, all of that was to try to evaluate uh, some geography yeah. and try to understand where the, where the payoff was going to be. Yeah. Right? So you wanted all these different sources so you could correlate them and come up with the best because cause if you miss, it's a big mm-hmm. miss. Mm-hmm. Right? But now for this, what's the what's the motivation to cross-check the data 97 different ways. Well, because... Maybe it's not 97. They're not all going to capture the same thing at the same frequency. So that's causing your problem. Why not just go with one and just call that that the one? But there isn't one that catches everything. That's the problem. Yeah, but... There could be. I'm not saying... I'm not saying a month from now that there isn't a technology where I'm like, that's the one. Okay, I guess here's what I'm trying to say is if you... So with the old, uh, you know, when we used to do all the data gathering, mm-hmm. it was so because we wanted to drill a hole where the hydrocarbons were, and mm-hmm. if we missed, we missed, we, we yeah. wasted money, it's and we upon. missed. That. Well, it's not just frowned upon. You you wasted yeah. money, right? Yeah. And and it was a miss. But in this case, if I have one data source and it doesn't capture everything, but I feel like it captures most everything, and I just take action on that, then. for whatever it misses, how does that impact me? It depends on who you're beholden to. Ah. I mean, that's where most of the confusion is coming from is because now the SEC's getting involved. Okay, well, that's a certain group of companies that's going to have to report financially with Mm. more rigor to the SEC. Then you have the EPA, which is a certain volume of throughput. Again, certain size of companies, certain type of asset. And that's like the floor of reporting, right? Like everyone sees regulatory like, oh, is regulatory benchmarking? No, regulatory is the absolute floor of where you have to be. Yeah. Everyone's trying to move that up towards the ceiling. And then some people, yeah, and then some people don't have to report to the EPA because they're too small. So it's like, well, how, where is, where's the fairness in a lot of this? Yeah. Who's in charge? Fairness isn't really. What I did the role a keynote. I guess it was two months ago or something, and I had this slide. I said, "Okay, so we've signed up to play volleyball, okay, and we get out there, and all of a sudden there's a soccer ref, and he's calling flags, <laughs> and then you got a football ref, yeah, and he's calling penalties, right." And then you, you know, like, well, it's like, wait, yeah, what well, game are we playing here? I thought we signed up for this. I understood the rules. Damn sure we're going to lose. Yeah. It now, is. Right? yeah. Now <laughs> I don't even win. know who's in charge win. of the rules. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty messy. Yeah. That's a good analogy, actually. It's- and I think the worst part is that, you know, when you're in a cycle like this in the industry, kind of same thing that we saw with the horizontal um, completions stuff that was going on where I remember I was going in, I was trying to help people work with their micro seismic data. And then I'd have these completions engineers telling me, you know, like, that's great and all super science, believable stuff. But like, 
we just take our acreage to Baker Hughes and we tell them to design us a frack like the one yeah, next, <laughs> next door. door. Yeah, yeah. It worked out really well. I just do the other guy. Yeah. Looked, yeah. And so I think that's what people are kind of, you know, some people, again, they're first movers, they're investing, some are getting burned, some are getting an ROI. Right. And so everyone's watching saying, all right, which is the playbook? Where is it? What's the one? But it's, but it's not difficult. That's what you told me in the beginning. It's not difficult. It's not difficult. You just have to make some decisions and be willing to accept the risk that comes along with it. It's not it. difficult as long as you don't mind failing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it, and I wouldn't see it as like a black and white failure yeah. or success, right? I mean, for some of these assets, I look at the data and I need to take a therapist with me the next time I go back over there because I'm like, all right, guys, here's good news. It's going to get better. Here's the bad news. It's going to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> but, you know. So, yeah. Um, uh, you got to do the right thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I don't know. It's, it's late on a Friday. I'm running out of brain juice. It's messy. It's complicated. And then, you know, you have a lot of companies that are like, we're just going to pay Deloitte $2 million to figure it out for us. <laughs> um. It does remind me of, you know, it seems like every so many years we have, when it comes to the, the tech world, we have these things that, that cause massive yeah. scramble and investment. Um, Huge disruption. Y2K, right? Was, I don't know. Do you remember? You weren't, you weren't. I was. I was with a babysitter. You were with a babysitter. I love thinking back to New Year's Eve of Y2K. Yeah. And, you know, as a child, I thought I was going to die, that the world was over. Really? And I love the fact that my parents were like, they're fine with a babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go rage. <laughs> if the world's ending, we don't want to be we with these well. kids. <laughs> I, was, um, I, I, was, uh, I was in a data center downtown Houston, actually in the, uh, the building. Uh, you know that, that building downtown that's got, where, like where Accenture is now? Yeah. But it's got, you know, it's. It's on a separate grid and all that. I was, because uh, a company that I was with at the time, we, um, my, my boss was the, the CIO and uh, he required that his whole team be at the data center when, wow. when, yeah. And it was all for show. It wasn't, nobody was really worried about yeah. anything. Um, but maybe that's what got you on the list to this current conclave. Yes, it was probably that. That's <laughs> like probably what it was. This guy was, in the epicenter of Y2K. He, was, he can right. definitely help us with this one. But but the amount of spending that went on, right? Um, uh, and apparently it worked because nothing happens. Yeah. Um, there's still some debate as to whether nothing was going to happen anyway. But, you know. Yeah. Um, and then what was the, the next one that drove a bunch of spending was that uh, uh, the, reg, the financial regulatory thing. The, what was it? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Um, Sarbanes-Oxley. Sarbanes-Oxley. Sox. Sox mm -hmm. compliance. Mm -hmm. That was huge. All of these things are field days for, yeah. like, it's, it's you know, it's and money it's, time for the consulting companies yeah. and the tech companies. Well, and, and it's that. funny because people are like, they'll tell me, you know, this is the new Sox. Yeah. I'm like, I wasn't here for Sox. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to so be you benchmarking You don't even wear Sox from what I can tell. <laughs> and neither do I. Um, <laughs> Uh, so when, when that was like early two thousands, right? I yeah, it was like oh three, oh four, five, yeah. six, something like that. Those were my Sox. college years. Yeah, um, those were college. And then what? Let's see. What? What was it after that? Um, 
I guess probably, I don't know. I don't know what it was after that, but, but, uh, I mean, I remember, you know, when I came into the industry, people were drilling horizontally Yeah. and all my mentors were like, Oh yeah. I mean, please like show me the returns on that. Well, I mean, looking back, like they were right. It turns out (laughs) it's pretty good. (laughs) And all you got to do is do what the guy next door is doing and then you're, and then you're good to go. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, that's another thing that people don't, uh, realize is fracking technology is what we might have talked about this last time, or maybe we talked about it on the scripted. But, but you know, there in the U.S., like between whatever it is, two thousand eight and fourteen, our total emissions from power generation dropped dramatically in the U.S. Yeah. Right, like you can see the chart, and more so than any other country, we were, and that was because of fracking technology made natural gas. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so we were able to change out a bunch of, um, coal fire plants for natural gas plants. Mm -hmm. Right. And that actually had like a net effect on emissions for the whole country. Fracking technology, evil, the evil fracking technology, which now, and by the way, it did reduce emissions. I don't know if it had any effect on the climate or not, but it did reduce emissions. Um, and now we have even better stuff. People are creating, uh, catalyst with the with the direct drive frack pump and I yeah. mean there's all kinds of uh, there's uh, whole electric frack fleets out there and, and right. I'm seeing a Smaller lot of footprints yeah. of stuff with less trucks I mean God we know out in the Permian they'd yeah. like to get some trucks off the road there's a lot of promising stuff going on with hydrogen right now but like what's a feedstock for hydrogen production oh natural gas oh hi yes <laughs> natural hydrogen well and the byproduct is water, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's nice, you know. Yeah, we got that going for us, which is yeah. nice. Um, all right, are we running? We're winding down. This is probably it. Anything else? I think so. Anything else burning on that you wanna you wanna talk about? No, yeah. not really. Yeah. I mean, I think unfortunately, ESG is a little hyped up is right it? now, but. I think the hype is dwindling a little bit. This is what I. This is my thing about it's, it's like like getting uh, smaller. The like some of the some of the, like the investment community starting to back away from it a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. um, well, like I said, because they realized that if they'd have put all their money, summer in, summer recognizing ROI and, and the operators, summer getting burned. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, that's it then. Yeah. It's Friday. I'm sorry that I forgot to. I. I will be bringing the bar cart over. Uh, okay, well, I'll, I gotta come, get over, I'll come back once there's the bar cart. We got to get the bar cart set up, and uh, we're still we're still working out the kinks here, but it's it's fun. It's uh, the furniture is nice. Yeah, I really like super the, comfortable. Like the furniture. We got our we got a robot here, and uh, you know what else do you need really? That's it. Not much. All right, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> Anytime. Bye. <laughs>
I'm trying to get, so I got kind of behind the curve. Yeah. 